Welcome back to the Vegas Fever podcast. On this week's show, we're going to talk uh, more UNLV, uh, two games for the Runner Rebels, and of course, we're going to talk some Golden Knights. Uh, first, let's talk about UNLV and their first game against Colorado State at a two played much better than I expected, uh, probably than anybody expected. Had a lead in the second half, played really solid throughout, and just couldn't hold it. Uh, they lose to Colorado State 74-71. Bryce Hamilton was fantastic, and in my opinion, the ball should have been in his hands to finish the game, and the last couple possessions, he didn't he didn't get a look, and he needs to take the shot um, because the last couple possessions, they got really poor they had really poor shot selection, and Colorado State came all the way back from 13 down in the second half. Uh, they were down with by 13 with about eight minutes, eight minutes and change left to go, and UNLV was up by 11 uh, with four or five minutes left to go in the game. Colorado State hits some threes, some twos, no uh, pushback uh, on offense for UNLV in that time frame, and they claw Colorado State claws back in the game and with about a minute and a half left takes the lead and UNLV could not recover and they go to one and five on the year after being off for 33 34 days and they're now 0 and one also in conference play um, so I said Bryce Hamilton was fantastic uh, and Bakke Zhang was fantastic as well. He had 11 points and 12 rebounds and that was probably his most complete effort. Had a couple of good dunks. Uh, he looked really good. Caleb Grill with 11 points. He also had some threes uh, in the first half. Mo- majority of his points came in the first half. Um, Bryce Hamilton with 24 or 25 points. Really, really great effort and there's your star right there. There should be nobody else in uh, on the entire roster that takes the shot. UNLV was short. Uh, some players in this game, uh, no Marvin Coleman. Uh, Isaac Lindsay had hip surgery. Uh, there was also a couple other guys. Devin Tillis did not did not come. Uh, there was UNLV was short four players, and then they got into foul trouble, which you know in the last few minutes of the game made the situation worse. And my perspective on this is that after being off for so long, they looked really, really good, better than I thought. The point spread went from 8.5 to 10.5, and, and I thought that I really did that Colorado State was going to run away with with the game. UNLV stuck with them. The pace was good. Uh, the Rebels had a lead at halftime. Um, they were up by a good amount late in the first half, and, and Colorado State hit a couple shots. But I felt that they were looking good going into the second half. They played really, really well. And then I think the fatigue um, and the lack of conditioning, because these guys were not allowed to do anything for 30-plus days, it really started to catch up with them. You can really see that you had tired players out there, and they just couldn't hold. they just couldn't hold it. And hopefully with these two teams playing again, um, what you're going to see is a more complete effort at the end of the game. It's not so much what you do. It's great to stick with the team um, 
neck and neck for the whole game. But if you're not going to complete the deal, if you're not going to seal the victory, it's completely pointless. So hopefully we see now that this team has a, a few extra days of practice, the conditioning and the fatigue if the conditioning will be better, the fatigue won't be as bad, and they'll be able to seal these games up. Uh, we also learned that UNLV will play two more games. Um, I, I don't have these teams' names in front of me because they are uh, – uh, nobody's really heard of them. I think St. Catherine is one, and uh, something with Mesa in it is the other one. The bottom line is that UNLV is going to get – a couple of extra games that they desperately need to get back in the swing of things. This season is a throwaway to me. Uh, I know that the players are not going to lose any eligibility if they so choose to come back. But this season is just a, a, just a wreck. And what's going to end up happening is UNLV and teams like UNLV are not going to make the NCAA tournament. Now, the NCAA tournament is going to be all in one location this year. They, the NCAA created a bubble in Indianapolis. The entire tournament is going to be in the area uh, of, uh, you know, in, in the Indy area, So, which is great, which is fantastic. I think that that was a really smart move by the NCAA. You, you eliminate the sites um, of where the games are going to be. It, it lowers the COVID risk. These kids will test numerous times. I think you have to test like seven or eight times negative before you're allowed to come in. And you're seeing a lot of teams have trouble staying on the court. Teams will be able to play some games. They'll get locked down because of COVID. They'll come back. They'll get locked down again. We've seen it so many times. I wouldn't be surprised to see it again. Fingers crossed. Hopefully it doesn't happen with UNLV. But UNLV and teams like them can sneak into the tournament because they need 68 teams. Are you going to be able to find? I think there's only a, a, a hundred and something Division One basketball teams, I believe. No, actually, that might be football. Check that. There's about 300 and change Division uh, you know, Division One teams. And they're going to need to find 68 good teams. And who's left standing at the end of this? You have to remember the, the Mountain West Tournament, if it gets there, who knows, is on UNLV's home floor. So if they get some games, you have to have at least 13 if they start to play and they start to win, gain some confidence. I like this team. I, I, I said it when they were 0-1, 0-2, 0-3, and so on. I like this team. They played really well together as a unit last night. Having not been together for so long, I, I just I feel like certain players, Moses Wood got a lot of minutes, and I was really happy that he did. Um, didn't see Donovan Yap, but we saw some of their bench players. Nick Blake had a really solid game in addition to uh, Mo Wood. Also, Eduardo, De Eduardo Del Cadia had a really good game. He started because um, Marvin Coleman was not – like I said, didn't make the trip. Um, TJ Otzelberger is going to have to go deeper and deeper into his bench in order to uh, make up for the losses uh, in his normal rotation. And these guys, they seemed okay with it. They they just came right in. Colorado State is a really good team. They beat San Diego State, even though they lost to them. Or you know the next cup, you know the next game. So the last game they lost to them, but they beat them. And they had to have a big comeback to do that, and they did another big comeback 
um, against the Rebels in game one out of two. And um, really impressed uh, with the Rams. They have they have a team that's not shy to shoot the three, just like UNLV. UNLV is not shy to shoot the three, especially uh, Caleb Grill. Colorado State is a really um, disciplined team. They were ready. I, I think the Rebels kind of hit them in the mouth a little bit, but uh, a, an entertaining game nonetheless. Um, and we'll see what the Rebels have in terms of the second game, uh, which is uh, coming up Saturday afternoon at Vegas time, 1 o'clock on FS1. I did a little bit of uh, recording on the first game because I had it fresh in my mind, and I definitely wanted to put something down uh, podcast-wise to make sure that everybody understands that there doesn't need to be a panic. A lot of things I'm getting from Twitter is everyone's like, Oh no, one in five. You know, Marvin Menzies only got three years and TJ Alzelberger is halfway just about through his second year. What is the administration going to do? First off, this is Desiree Reed Francois's guy. She made the hire. Second off, we need to calm down a little bit. It's the second season and it's a COVID season. And I don't think it's fair after the conference season that, you know, Coach TJ had last year with this team. And them going 12 and 4 in conference and, and having a really solid year. I don't think those expectations carry over. They don't carry over because I cannot explain enough that they have a lot of new pieces to integrate and will continue as college basketball has this. Uh, we're in this period, and we've been in this period of college basketball where there's a transition every year. Uh, kids come in, kids go out. They commit to a guy, uh, they don't commit to a school. Uh, people don't really understand that. Kids commit to coaches. They don't commit to universities because most of the time, let's be honest, how much are they actually going to school? They're playing basketball or football or whatever they're playing. They they came for who recruited them. But sometimes it doesn't work out. So that's why you see the turnover every year. Everyone needs to pump the brakes just a little bit about the expectations. I came into the season with not any, and neither should you, and people are very frustrated, and as a Rebel fan, an objective one, passionate one, I I can see that, and I'm upset as well, but I like this team. The future is really, really bright. I think he's going to get some extra, you know, some recruiting classes. He's going to be able to keep these kids this year, if they so choose, at their eligibility status that they are now, so they won't lose a year. It's it's great, and everything is going to be okay. Prior coaches of, of of Rebel past are not coming back. Any of the good ones, whatever good ones they were, after Tarkanian, there was only one. And he's not coming back, and neither is Jerry. So let's be very clear. We need to focus on the now. And I think TJ Altsberger is the guy that's going to help us turn the corner. So with that, I'm going to wrap up part one of the podcast Talking about the first game, a run and rebel loss, 74-71, 1-5 on the year. I'll update this with the second part. Talk to you soon. Back on the Vegas Fever podcast, second game out of two for UNLV against Colorado State. Um, we're doing this podcast, uh, this portion of the podcast, just right after the game. It's it's fresh. It's another UNLV loss, 1-6 um, on the year, 83-80. to the final against Colorado State. This time, you will not hear a gripe from me about 
the wrong player having the ball in their hands. It was either going to be David Jenkins, who had 29 points, or uh, Bryce Hamilton, who had 28, having the ball in their hands. And Bryce Hamilton had the ball in his hands. He had it a couple times down the stretch uh, when UNLV was either tied or down. Um, And one time he got blocked, and the other time it just rattled out. It was in and out. It was right there. I, I, I can accept that. I can take that the perfect person had the ball in their hands. It just didn't go in. This year is just, it's kind of, well, not kind of, it is a throwaway. So you have to focus on the positives. And for a one and six ball club, the positives are David Jenkins is heating up, which is exactly what you would hope for uh, if you're TJ Altsberger in the fan base. When you bring this guy in, he comes in from South Dakota State, he sits a year, and he's he, he, he was heating up against Kansas State before the pause, and he's heating up again. He was absolutely fantastic for UNLV. Uh, two people that the Run Rebels could not stop, Isaiah Stevens and David Roddy. Uh, it, was, it was deja vu. Game one, two days ago, they couldn't stop them. Uh, game two, it's just that uh, same story. And it's a little discouraging because... This just happened to UNLV the night before last. They couldn't stop these two same guys. And what happens? Again, David Roddy doing pretty much at six foot five, doing whatever he can against what a, a, an almost seven footer in Mbake Zhang. He's not big enough sometimes inside. He can block shots and he can he can he can certainly jam the ball in, but he he's just he plays smaller. And Bakke Zhang does, then he is. These guys should not be getting to the bucket. Uh, Isaiah Stevens, very good from three. The Rams set a, I believe, a season record for threes. They were absolutely, they were over 50% from three. Uh, I believe they were at 50% uh, from the field as well. Um, kind of pull up some of those numbers. 53% from the field and 55% from three. Uh, Isaiah Stevens with 22. Tanjay also had 15, as well as David Roddy, who technically came off the bench uh, in this game to score 18. Um, UNLV was not good from three, six of 22. You could say that that is what cost them the game, but they were still in the game the whole time, the whole way they were still there. Not much production besides Bryce Bryce Hamilton and David Jenkins. Mbake Zhang with nine. Uh, the Rebel bench scored 11 points, and the uh, Ram bench scored 26. 26 to 11 for the bench. And when you lose a game by three points, this is some of the takeaways. Uh, in the first half, it was the uh, Bryce Hamilton show for UNLV. They turned the ball over way too much in the first half. They tightened that up in the second half. There wasn't as much of an issue, but I believe they had double-digit turnovers in the first half. That's not going to get it done. And it was close. The Rams only led by a few points at halftime. Second half, uh, it was the David Jenkins show until the end, you know, until the later portion of the second half, David Jenkins heating up. He was... Incredible for UNLV. Really good things to see. Takeaways that are positive. 
is that these two guys are really good. Other things that you take away from is the other team needs the other players on UNLV needs to need to catch up. An example, Eduardo Delcadia starts again for Marvin Coleman, doesn't score in 17 minutes. Only plays 17 minutes. I don't know how much faith TJ Otzelberger has in this guy. All your other starters are at 30 minutes above. He's got 17, doesn't score, three rebounds. Um, Mbake, like I said, nine points. Caleb Grill, and when you lose a game by, by, by a bucket, you really look at this as well. Only one for five, and they were all threes. Only three points in 30 minutes. Uh, he had 11 last game, two days ago. And if you just get another couple of buckets from Caleb Grill, you win this game. Um, we saw Reese Brown. We saw uh, for 16 minutes. We saw Moses Wood for 14. They both scored two points, and we saw Nick Blake again. So you see the eight-man rotation with um, a shortened bench uh, with with no Marvin Coleman. So UNLV 1-6, 0-2 in conference play. Colorado State is a... Uh, Mountain West Conference regular season title type of contender, uh, sticking with the likes of you know Boise State and San Diego State and, and and Reno, they can win this league, and they are really really good at home. This game for me was one of the best games in the Mountain West totally this year. Um, I think that. It was just neck and neck all game long. Nobody really got up. No, nobody got up by double digits. The Rams were up by set, you know, seven eight points first half. UNLV cuts into it. Uh, they're battling back and forth. A, a, a really really good game. Um, not one that the officials really interfered with. You know, uh, referees always have their moments, but they kind of let them play. First half was really quick. Uh, not a whole lot of you know game stoppages except for media timeouts. It's it's really run and gun up and down the floor. A game that you know the running rebels and T.J. Alzelberger and his staff want to play. Um, we know that Alzelberger's offense is threes and layups, trying to stay away from the mid range shots. And UNLV has gotten better with that. I'm I'm impressed with the way that they've played after the layoff. I don't think I can say how much I, that I like this team, even though they're one and six. I don't think I've liked the UNLV team that has been bad before. Like I like this team. Um, if they stay with their eye on the prize overall in the future, uh, I'm not really counting out this this year. I mean, any team can go on a run and, and you know and, and and right the ship, but you know, at one and six, it's kind of hard. I, I feel like. We're we're going in the right direction, and I know that people judge the program on wins and losses, and I guess at the end of the day, that's what you're paid to do is to come in here and win when you're hired as a ball coach anywhere. But there's there's stuff you have to read in between lines, and I like the way this team moves the ball. I like the way they share. I like that they've got a couple of stars. I think that some of their other players, bench players, and other starters need to kind of pick up their game a little bit and you know with time and conditioning and 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 games under their belt and UNLV is going to get another game 
two extra games, but they're going to have an extra game uh, coming up this week against St. Catherine. Um, that game will be coming up. Let's see, let me pull that up here on the 12th. Um, so that game will be coming up on Tuesday at 1 o'clock, I believe, 1 or 2 o'clock in Vegas. They'll play, uh, two, they'll get two games at the Thomas and Mack Center against New Mexico. Um, that game on the 16th, a week from today, will be at uh, 2.30 Vegas time, it looks like. Interesting about the Mountain West, what they're doing with some of their conference games, they're playing them early. So out West, which is kind of tough for people to see because they're working, but out West, some of these games are starting, like we've seen games start at 10, 11, 12 o'clock. This game is a 2.30 uh, against New Mexico I'm talking about. Actually, both these games, St. Catherine and New Mexico, is, are early tips, early tip-off times, which is which I think is is really good. These conferences are using the pandemic uh, to get games done all day starting early and ending late so it's almost like an NCAA conference tournament type it's almost like a, a March Madness type of feel I, I think it's fantastic um, UNLV will play like I said New Mexico um, and uh, they will take on uh, the Lobos on the 16th and the 18th and then they will also get another game on the 21st against a team I've never heard of personally and uh What's important is just to let's play some basketball. That's what's important for UNLV, especially with Utah State coming up and Reno coming up and Boise State coming up and Fresno State coming up. This is not this is a very unforgiving schedule for the running rebels. And you know, this this could be an ugly year. I don't let's not judge TJ Altsberger by this year because this is a year unlike any other, and I feel like he's going to get more recruiting classes, and we're going to get we're going to be a really really solid program, guys. I really think that you know fans are fanatics and they freak out, and let's focus on the positives. Um, there's not really a ton more uh, to say. UNLV drops a couple of games uh, in Fort Collins, two close games. This game I'm much more comfortable with losing because do not put the game in somebody else's hands. Put the game in either David Jenkins or Bryce Hamilton's hands, and they did. That's smarter than the last game. Um, the record's disappointing. Runner Rebels will play three games in the week upcoming. Um, St. Catherine and New Mexico twice, and we'll talk about them next week. Uh, this was part two of uh, kind of a three-part podcast. The next part, we'll be talking Golden Knights. So I know that this is kind of broken up, uh, but we'll be talking Golden Knights. It is technically game week for the Golden Knights. In five days or less, we will have hockey. And it's an exciting, great, wonderful time of year. We'll talk again. Part three coming up. All right, here we go. Part three. Vegas Fever podcast for this week's show. Um, Jason here with you and Paula. We're talking UNLV and Golden Knights. Of course, UNLV one and six now. And Paula, I made a statement on Twitter that said that I'm very proud 
of this team. I've never been more proud of a bad UNLV team. They've had bad teams under Dave Rice and not horrible teams, but bad teams under Marvin Menzies and underperforming teams on, you know, with Dave Rice. Um, I'm proud of this team because I think that they play well together. And I think this is the right coach for the job. This is the best option they've had since Long Kruger left, which I've been very boisterous that that was a terrible move. And I feel that they're doing the best they can under the circumstances. Um, you watch those games with me, a little bit of them. Um, what do you think? I mean, I think it's okay to be proud of your team, even if they suck. I know someone didn't agree with your opinion when you tweeted that out. He said that he didn't want to use the word proud. Uh, this particular gentleman on Twitter was really worried about the future of the program. Right. Because of the... That's understandable. Unfortunate accident that took place. It was either Christmas or New Year's with Zion Collins. And they had to... Of course, they had to let him out of his agreement scholarship wise because of the legal troubles which is just a shame all around somebody had to lose their life and this kid had issues with what does that have to do with anything well because he was a part of that and now he's not and he the, so the this gentleman on twitter is worried about because another kid came here with zion basically they came here as a team and he's worried about the other guy decommitting because this guy was well. dismissed essentially from the program. What I said to that is that TJ Altsberger can recruit. He's shown that already. So it's next man up. You know, if it's not this kid or another. Where would there's... the other guy go? It's not like he can go anywhere with his buddy who's a murderer. Well, no, he can't. I mean, if they're, if they're a team, I understand, but his buddy is in jail or out of jail waiting to be in jail. Right. So where is he going to go? He claimed that he committed before Zion, like, mentally, but didn't actually commit until Zion I did. Mean, but he make, committed first. doesn't make first. a whole team. No, it doesn't. And you know there's always going to be others. UNLV will find. This guy, sit wherever he's gone... He gets he gets kids to play, and I think that that's going to continue. But the majority of the people that you hear about on Twitter, and I've had to unfollow some, um, is because there's just a lot of negative, a lot of negativity. One in six, you fired Menzies after three years, and he was horrible. You fired Dave Rice after. In his fifth season, because the team was 0-3, I don't think these things are the same. Well, I think that this year is a total waste. And it it was like Marvin Menzies' first year. Well, you kind of keep saying that. I don't believe it should be counted as a free-for-all, do, you know, don't care about the season. I think there should be, you know, some accountability for how you coach and how you play. But it, it's just been a tough for everyone so I'm sure that's going to be taken into consideration but that doesn't mean you get to keep fucking up 
I don't think they are. In fact, Colorado State is probably one of the top three teams in this league right now, yeah, and I mean, they played really, really well. They, they played better than they've had in a while, and it's okay to say you're proud of your team, but yet on the flip side of the coin, you have to be understandable that people are tired of them losing. All they do is lose. Every season, every year, it's the same thing. When is it going to change? I feel the change is on the horizon, and I've probably said that a lot. Every year. Because I'm a, I'm optimistic, yet re- uh, trying to be a little bit more realistic about the situation. Mm. I mean, when you've won, I mean, since 1991, they've won like two, three NCAA tournament games since 1991. Okay, and you know. And I know that we keep talking about that. You and LV fans are stuck in the past. Including yourself. Sometimes I am because you only, sometimes you want a little bit of that glory. You want a little bit of that magic. And because you've thirsted for it for so long and you want it to come to fruition. Um, But to play the scenario of the season for anyone, I think would be, I mean, one in six is totally understandable. So you start the season, winnable game against Montana State. Okay. 11 new guys, 7 freshmen. They lose. Then they go to Maui, which was in Asheville, and they played three really good teams, and they lost them all. Yeah, I know. I didn't think they were going to beat Kansas State. I thought, the first off, I thought the point spread was generous. It was Kansas State, and it was only, it was not even that that much. They beat them, and then I was like, okay, we have, I'm starting to see what I like. David Jenkins is getting, getting it going. Marvin Coleman, Bryce Hamilton, Caleb Grill, right? And then the stoppage, 33 days. To come back and play a team that's played eight times in the span that you've played zero and at the time beat San Diego State, top three, four in the league, and you've played nothing. The first game on Thursday, they played really well. And I thought that they, with every chance to win and even expecting them to win Saturday. I felt better about the team after Saturday than I did Thursday only because Bryce Hamilton had the ball in his hands. I can live with that. Well, if you get a little bit more production from a few other guys besides you know besides Jenkins and Hamilton, that's a winner. They added a couple of games to the schedule, a couple of no names, just to get some games under their belt because I feel that by March I'm not saying this team is going to get out of the first round of the Mountain West tournament, but no, but I feel like they could have something going a little by then. I'm sure. I just, you know, I think it's okay to be optimistic, but you have to also understand people's frustration. Yeah. I mean, one in, what is it, one in six? One in six. Is, is oh, not good oh, and two all. in conference, which, I mean, that puts them at the bottom. But another team that they're going to be playing this week, twice, um, which is New Mexico. The Lobos are also at the bottom of the league. This is kind of going to be a yardstick for UNLV, and I get I, and they get them at the Thomas and Mac. I mean, no one's there, however, but they get them on their home floor. And New Mexico has had a really rough, 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 rough time. Uh, their head coach is Paul Weir. He was a assistant for Marvin Menzies at New Mexico State before Menzies came to UNLV. They're calling for his job. People in Albuquerque, if you don't win, that's their only freaking thing there. If you don't win, you're you're going to be gone. And the feeling is that he might lose his job. This is a chance for UNLV to get on track and get three victories this week. Hopefully. And one would be nice. One would be good. <laughs> uh, we'll start with one. And I think that I believe there's something called St. Catherine, which I've never heard of. San Diego State plays them, I think, like every year and beats the 
crap out of them. That'll be Tuesday afternoon. Um, weird time for basketball. These conferences, because of COVID, have been playing games earlier mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah, um, but yeah, hopefully we'll see some uh, something out of UNLV this week. Uh, let's move to Golden Knights talk. It is... I don't know if anyone can hear that. That's a that's a, that's a dog snoring. Um, <laughs> Babysitting our sister, my sister's dog, Peaches, and, and she, she snores. And she has terrible gas. <laughs> yes, it's terrible. <laughs> but she's comfortable, so that's all that matters. She uh, makes the dog that we have now very uncomfortable. Wow. Um, all right. Golden Knights news. Uh, it's game week. We can finally say that. And um, Golden Knights are going to drop the puck against, puck against Anaheim Thursday evening. For for us on the East Coast, uh, it's going to be a little a little different than everybody else. We're going to probably not be able to watch most of the games that night. It'll be a next day type of thing. So I'm going to need to stay off Twitter or else I'm going to know every every the score of every game. And I guess that's not as bad as watching and seeing how it happens but I kind of I, I don't want to know so I'm going to be absent um, for for a while uh, on, 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 on game nights we have three people who listen which which reminds me I think I'm going to try and get us some guests for the hockey season yeah. maybe every other week or so um I'd like to really get good guests on, but I'm probably just going to get, like, Joe Schmo. It'd you be know? nice to get locals on to talk about hockey. Um, I'm going to reach out to some people and see what I could do. But, like I said, U, uh, UNLV. Golden Knights. Now the dog's having a nightmare. She's having a dream. Oh. All right. Um, Anaheim Thursday, like I said again. A um, couple of interesting notes from around the NHL. Vancouver, which is Nate Schmidt's new team, had to close their facility because of a COVID positive COVID test. That happened today. We're going to see a lot of that in the league this year. It's going to mess with the season. And for the Golden Knights, who are gold, you know, Stanley Cup contenders, last odds I checked uh, at the at one of the sports books in Vegas, it was seven to one, which is the best odds tied for the best odds. Um, with I think wow. like Colorado and Tampa, they're all seven to one. And um, if you lose a player to COVID, they're going to miss like six to eight games because they're playing fifty six games in one hundred and eighteen days, and you got to be out for t- two weeks, ten oh, to fourteen days. The whole team has to be out. Well, if they can, if they can corner it to that person but or if two, the person was on the ice with the other guys. Yes, all been but they will not test negative then and there it's very tricky it's very tricky they'll close the facility where it happened and they'll try and corner the case or cases and they'll test everybody multiple times many times and you've got to come back negative all those times let's just say it's six or seven before you can play that's gonna mess with everything I mean, you're going to see teams not play for two weeks. Last year's went and how this year's going to go. I really don't feel that nothing's going to change too much until the middle to end of 2021. It's going to be like this. 
I mean, it happened with, I believe it was Pittsburgh, too. The Penguins had a positive case, and they automatically close everything. And it's just, you know, this Golden Knights team, I feel, is is deep roster-wise. You know, goaltender, of course, right? Uh, forwards, they're really deep. I, You know, defense, I feel like they've upgraded. People are worried about their bottom six, so their third and fourth line. I personally am not. Alex Tuck has been in the news of late because he was he, off he wasn't practicing he right? hasn't played in in the season opener three years for the golden knights he's been with the team he has not played in a season opener Why? every he's been hurt every time 17 18 and 19 what's his issue he is hurt it's like a they were talking hurt? about it on twitter in what camp has he done? In, right in camp Oh my god! It happens every year, but there's a preseason usually, so usually he'll get right. Like, who, sorry, Alex, but I mean, you know, you, I mean, you don't listen. But he is hurt every year, and people are talking about it like a curse. Yeah, it's really strange, and it's happened again. What, and their what openers in four they're days. Not saying they're not saying they can't. It's part of the collective bargaining agreement. They can't say anything about. You know, they can say like upper body or lower Maybe body, but Pete DeBoer is just diarrhea. like. Eh, why do you always think that everyone has massive diarrhea whenever they're hurt? <laughs> These guys just shit themselves. Do you think they care? I mean, it'll keep everybody else away from them. They won't get, like, checked hard into the boards because they smell like shit. I mean, really, but it's... I just, like, this is ridiculous. It's the curse of Alex Tuck. Um, trying to think of anything else I've heard from Golden Knights camp. It's kind of been real hush-hush. They yeah. had a couple of scrimmages. Um... The goaltending has looked fantastic, but of course they're playing each other. There hasn't been any major injuries. Except um, for Alex Tuck. Except for Alex Tuck. <laughs> it's not major, but it's one of those things where, okay, the first day of practice, Tuck comes out after, and he's like, I'm sore. Okay, so Pete DeBoer's like, I'll give you the next day off. Then he comes back. Then a couple days later, same thing. Well, he was sore. Look here, okay? That's not going to work. He's sore from He's work. from from not from eating ice cream and, and, and pizza for two months and now all of a sudden he can't work out. No, he probably just hurt himself. He'll be alright. You know, they call it like a, tw- a slight little tweak, you know? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he made it four years in a row, all four years Golden Knights existence, he doesn't get on the ice for the opening game. And, you know, it's not like he's a player that the Golden Knights are counting on to have a big year. It's kind of like Cody Glass. You know, it's kind of like you know, Peyton Krebs, the rookie, hopefully, um, not Krabs. That's his emoji, like Mr. Krabs. Yeah, that, that, that's his, like, gif. Every, you know, whenever they talk about Peyton Krebs, they, they use the Mr. Krabs from, from SpongeBob. But yes, I know. I'm SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, and Alex Tuck is expected to have a big year. And I say that because they've flirted, my understanding, with putting him in trade packages but not do not you know not really wanting to because they believe in him but if he keeps being hurt and he can't be no, on the I'm ice sure he's, not he's doing tradable it on purpose. he's not doing it i'm sure he no, wants to be on the ice yes he does and it's very night. frustrating it's got to be frustrating as a right. player to continuously be hurt but it's not just opening week of the season He's had stretches in other in yeah. years where he he, mm-hmm. he doesn't play for a month or two. Yeah. When Gerard Gallant was coach, I mean, it was all they talked about. Like, 
he should like go see a doctor or get stretched out properly. I don't know what his issue is. I, I I don't know. Or it's just bad luck. But when he's on the ice, he is so good. And him and Chandler Stevenson are the are the two fastest guys. It's amazing how Tuck can get around people. And he's big and he's broad and he, he goes right to the net. And that's what the Knights need. They need somebody big and broad standing in front of the goaltender blocking their view. That's him. That's one of those guys. He's like a Reeves, but so much more athletic. You know, like Reeves will just pound you. Tuck will pound you, and he can score 15, 20 goals a game. He's done it before. So that's something that they need him on the ice. They're worried about the bottom six because you have the reeves Carrier line, and they're either going to put Stevenson or Nosek in there. But that third line is where the problem is um, because... There's question marks. Is Cody Glass, who had a, two knee injuries last year, one of them ended his season in Chicago when that was their affiliate, is he going to be ready to go? Because they find themselves, after they got rid of Paul Stastny, sent him back to Winnipeg, they find themselves with center issues, and Cody Glass is a centerman. He's been playing on the wing during camp, but he's a centerman. So they need him. They need Tuck, who is also a centerman, I believe, Um but can play wing. They need these guys. Yeah. Because when third and fourth line is on the ice, that's when their defense is going to be tested if they're not talented enough. Yeah, for sure. Offensively. Um, another piece of news that I found very interesting in New Jersey, Corey Crawford, who played with the Blackhawks and won a uh, plethora, uh, three Stanley Cups, I believe, signed with the Devils, retired before ever playing a game with New Jersey. And that's the second goaltender in the last couple of weeks that is a starting goaltender that will not be playing. It brings Marc-Andre Fleury back in the spotlight because these teams need goaltenders. But are they willing to package another team in to help with the financials to get that $7 million in cap? I think the more pressing issue is the debate going on with the best hair. Did you really did did you really do that? Did you I thought I was gonna get something so much better than that. I think that for everyone who's saying Mark Stone has the best hair He's got Jewish hair. It grows up. Clearly Carlson has and has been had the best hair. Of the team. I'm going to have to move on from shock still. Um, <laughs> William, okay, but if we're going to do this, then <laughs> William Carlson has the best hair. He's got great, like, Marsha So is not even on this list, no, and he has he's great got hair, but, short it's, hair. but it doesn't matter. It's slick. And it moves. It's like Carlson, no, but, they but short. we're all talking about... I know, there was the top grown, three. Cody right. Glass actually got into that conversation because his hair has grown out. What about but Alex Tuck has even got... Who, nobody sees him because he's because he's getting some kind of therapy because he can't get on the ice. Cody Eakin had nice hair. We don't mention Cody Eakin on the show. <laughs> I just don't. Hashtag not a major. We don't mention him on the show. <laughs> William Carlson's hair is fantastic. There's memes like there, of his hair. Like, there's other guy. Like, the other guys just wish they were William Carlson's hair. I'd be in awe. If I played with William Carlson, I'd be in awe of his hair. 
Like, I beg him to play without a helmet. I would just, you know what I mean? The locks are, he's got, like, surfer hair. You know? Yeah, but it looks healthier than that. Speaking of uh, healthy, this might, this conversation might get unhealthy uh, in a hurry uh, if we keep talking about dude's hair. Um, Our NHL package renews tonight. So that means we're good to go with hockey. Uh-huh. For another year, um, it's a great time of year. Even though it should have been in like October, but it's a great time of year. Yeah, we're just excited for it, and can't wait to talk about the games and the gonna players. Have a couple, and... Gonna have a couple to talk about this week. Yeah, um, I believe it's it's like Thursday, Saturday. I think we get. Yeah, I don't so have you, it in front of me. That well, no. I, well, that was the UNLV schedule, oh. but um, I know that Golden Knights get get going. You said Thursday. I mean, I'm I'm thinking. I don't think Wait. it's a back to back this week. I mean, I but it's so. Thursday, Saturday, and 7 o'clock Vegas time, which is like 10 o'clock here. I mean, you know, when you go all day with work and kids, it's definitely going to be a next day type of type of thing for us. So next time we talk... We would have seen a game. We'll have seen a couple games, and we'll have seen some UNLV and some Golden Knights, and then we'll talk about it then. Um, Jason and Paul are wrapping it up here for the Vegas Fever podcast. Goodbye. Bye-bye.